Thank you for the offering this morning. At this time, uh, any of the children that are here can be dismissed to Children's Church. More than half of them are traveling, either internationally or around, so I want to thank those who are to be here with the ones that we have here this morning. Well, being that it's Mother's Day, we're taking uh, one Sunday break from our new sermon series, Where is God?, to just talk about what the scriptures say about uh, the women in our life, and so we're going to enjoy this time together. I believe I read this last year, and it almost feels like it's going to be a tradition for me. Um, writer Irma Bombeck tells this story of God creating mothers. She says that on the day that God created mothers, he had already worked long overtime. And an angel said to him, Lord, you sure are spending a lot of time on this one. The Lord turned and said, have you read the specs on this model? She's supposed to be completely washable, but not plastic. She's to have 180 moving parts, all of them replaceable. She has to have a kiss that will heal everything from a broken leg to a broken heart. She's able to function on black coffee and leftovers, and she's supposed to have six pairs of hands. Six pairs of hands, says the angel, that's impossible. It's not the six pairs of hands that bother me, said the Lord. It's the three pairs of eyes. She's supposed to have one pair that sees through closed doors so that whenever she says, what are you kids doing in there, she already knows what they're doing in there. She has another pair in the back of her head to see all the things she's not supposed to see but must see. And then she has a pair right in front that can look at a child that just goofed and communicate love and understanding without saying a word. That's too much, said the angel. You can't put that much in one model. Why don't you rest for a while and resume your creating tomorrow? No, I can't, said the Lord. I'm close to creating someone very much like myself. I've already come up with a model who can heal herself when she's sick, who can feed a family of six with one pound of hamburger, and who can persuade a nine-year-old to take a shower. Then the angel looked at the model of motherhood a little more closely and said, she's too soft. Oh, but she's tough, says the Lord. You'd be surprised at how much this mother can do. Can she think, asked the angel. Not only can she think, said the Lord, but she can reason and compromise and persuade. Then the angel reached over and touched her cheek. This one has a leak, he said. I told you you couldn't put too much in one model. That's not a leak, said the Lord, that's a tear. What's a tear for, asked the angel. Well, it's for joy and for sadness, for sorrow and disappointment, for pride. You're a genius, said the angel, and the Lord said, I know. Thank the Lord for all the ladies in our lives who have been so much of all that we have needed, and even more, and most of the time we didn't even realize all that they were doing until years later, and I'm so grateful for the women in my life that God has blessed me with. I ask you to turn in your Bibles to a very familiar passage um, and when talking about this idea of motherhood, Proverbs chapter 31, and we're going to read, uh, I'm going to read for you uh, the verses starting at verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 31. It will be on the screen if you um, don't have a Bible or a smartphone in front of you that you can open it, but I would just ask that everyone's attention would be on the Word as we share this together. Proverbs chapter 31, starting with verse 10, reading through verse 31. It's good to have a fair spackling of teenagers in here today, and I'm just going to talk to you for a minute, whether you want me to or not. I'm just going to just give you this word, guys, 
Whether you're interested in girls or not right now, the day is going to come when you are, whether you believe it or not, because when I was your age, I didn't like girls at all. And this probably sounds weird from the pulpit, but I like girls now. (laughs) Can I say that up here? A girl, Um, but I changed. This is a great place for you to go. When it gets close to the time in your life where you're looking for someone to give your heart to, And pray, God, send me someone like this. Send me a woman like this. Girls were born with a desire to get married. Um, They have pretend weddings when they're three-year-olds. Their dolls get married more times than you can count, and it just seemed to be placed inside your heart to love and raise a family for so many, at least. And this is a great place for you to go to pray for yourself that the Lord would help these attributes to be a part of who you are, and that's for all of us, that we can be in the model of what is described in this chapter. And this sounds like a superwoman, and it is. It's a woman who is following hard after God and who God is displaying his grace and mercy and power through, and that can be all of us as we turn our hearts to him. Proverbs chapter 31, starting with verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and work with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night and provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and she plies the merchants with ashes, sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for this amazing passage of Scripture, just so powerful, so descriptive, so illuminating to our own hearts what is at the core of who you've designed mothers to be, intuitive and strong and vigilant and diligent and sacrificial, and the list could go on, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, for each of us in our own station in life where we're young people looking forward to that day maybe where we'd find someone to be our significant other. We've been by the side of our significant other for so long. Lord, maybe we've said goodbye to that one that we have loved. And we are here, Lord, just wondering what, what to make of it all. I pray, Lord, that you would draw our hearts to this kind of principled life of diligence and love and wisdom. 
And we thank you, Lord, for how you work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the reasons that I'm so grateful for the church is that it provides a different model for living than the world. If you were to get um, on your television this morning, and, and I don't know how many of you turn on the TV on Sunday morning, um, I can't really picture that being a way that I prepare my heart for worship. But if that's what you do, uh, that's fine. Hopefully it's good Christian content and there's something there that helps you get ready for worship. But if you're to turn on your TV during this time of year, you're going to find that in order to be a happy mom, you've got to buy her a new car. Uh, In order to be a happy mom, you've got to have all the fancy makeup. You've got to look like a woman who starves herself. You've got to dress this way, and you've got to have these things and follow these steps in order to be a happy woman, to be a successful woman. You've got to look like the stars. And there are all these justifications. There's all these measurements. There's all these comparisons. And all the women that I love and I've talked to said is the most difficult things for them as a woman to see these perfect women out there on the television who look like they're happy, the happiest people alive, the healthiest and the sexiest people alive, and the most beautiful woman in the world. And we are taught by our society that to be happy, we have to look and be and live like that. And you and I know in our hearts it's a lie, isn't it? It's not what is the core of true, human, womanly, feminine happiness. And I can't say I'm an expert on anything like that. But I'm saying that the scriptures provide a different picture for you and I of what God talks about, a woman who is successful, a woman who is respected, a woman who is looked up to, a woman who is revered. And this woman, this special person in this Bible has lived for centuries, not because of her body, not because of her jewelry, not because of her makeup of her perfume, but because of her character and her heart and the things that she lived for, and the way that she lived. I'm grateful this morning that God provides a different lens for us to look through as we come to this celebration of the women in our life. I'm excited. We've lived in Ohio for over a dozen years, and just three years ago almost now, moved back to the Northwest, and so it gives us time to spend with my side of the family, and we get to see my mom on Mother's Day and nearby, and I'm so grateful for the celebrations that we get to share together. I read a story of a boy, six-year-old boy, he was in the supermarket with his mom, and he got lost. He wandered away from his mom. Apparently, she wasn't one of those mothers with the leash. You ever see the moms with the leash on their kids? I, I, if that's you, I don't want to judge you. I, my child is not a pet. He is a human. Um, But mom didn't do that. Mom let little guy run loose, and he got away. Maybe he needed a leash. I don't know. But he's lost in the supermarket, and he starts shouting out, Martha, Martha, Martha. And, of course, mom recognized her name and came running and found him. And he's like, haven't I told you not to call me by my name? My name is mom. And he's like, but mom, the supermarket is full of moms. I needed a way for me to call you out and for you to know that I was talking to you. And our world is full of mothers all over the place. This room this morning, there are so many. But for each and every one of us, there's only one, most of us, one special person who we call mom. And if she's here this morning today, whether in this room or in this state or around the world, I hope that you've taken the time, or if you haven't yet, take the time to share with her your heart how much you love her. And if you're here this morning at the distance, maybe not, phys- maybe not physical, but 
emotional is great between you and mom. I implore you to do whatever your heart must to bring reconciliation and peace and love. Because we're going to talk about the kind of heart that most moms have. All the moms that I've met, just three ideas quickly together of what makes them so powerful, what makes them who they are. You'll see them on the screen as we go through them together. One of the ideas I want to share that is shared in this Bible is a lot about the mother's hands at work. Her hands are at work. She's busy. She's sewing. She's cleaning. Heather, I thought of you when I read this passage in the middle of the night with her machine going at the dark hours because the day is so filled with children and other things that often you work even into the middle of the night. The boy got his first job, and he was describing to his friend all the work he was doing. He says, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and eat my breakfast. Somebody asked the young man, does anyone else get up with you? Oh, yeah, mom gets up, and she makes my breakfast for me and makes my breakfast for my dad and makes my lunches and gets everyone. What about your dinner? Well, mom makes that too. And, you know, does your mother have the afternoon for herself? Well, she works, and then she cleans the house and looks after the other children and then gets supper ready for me, and then we come home and watch TV, and she does laundry and washes the dishes and cleans up after us. And he's like, but I'm so psyched about my new job. I even get paid. Dad gets paid too. What about your mom? Does she get paid? Little boy thought for a minute, and he says, no, mother doesn't get paid. She doesn't really do any real work. If you're in conversation with your mom today, if she's here or a mother figure, and that thought comes into your mind to say something like that, can I implore you to just take a deep breath and hold it? (laughs) Because this passage talks about a woman in verses 13, 19, and 22 who picks out her garments, picks out her her wares, picks out the things that she works with with eager hands. The picture of a wise woman who who does what she does for her family because of love. Not because she has to, not because she's forced to, not because the husband's going to beat her up if she doesn't. She loves and she gives and she serves and she sacrifices because God has placed this desire in her to minister to those around her. And I'm so grateful for the women in my life, my mom and my wife who I see over and over, day after day, year after year, who love and serve and give. And you have done the same. And those who have been recipients, you have seen and sensed this, this just, this undeniable yearning, natural inclination placed in the heart of most women to to pour themselves out for the people around them. And many times that means that their hands are at work. It says in verse 14 that she brings her food from afar, I wondered this morning if that meant that the writer knew about Amazon back in the day or online shopping. It just seemed kind of prophetic in its own way that so much of what we do has changed, yet when a woman wants to get something special for her child, it may come from another country, from far away, and yet she'll do whatever it takes to get there. Thank goodness Amazon Prime gets it there for free in two days. My how things have changed. 
Verse 16, it says she plants a vineyard. and She's planning the future, not only for the moment. Not only is she concerned about your clothes and your food and your school and your meals and all the things that you have now, but she's even planning for tomorrow and the week after and the month after and the years after that, and her life is wrapped around you, around us, around the people that matter so much to them goes. I read an old saying this week that said, man, men, work from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. And I just want to give praise and thanks and honor. The Bible says to children to honor their father and mother. That was a command for every one of us to give honor and praise for the women in my life and yours who sacrifice and give so much for us. And we get so busy and so stressed and go, go here and go there that we don't take the time to share that kind of love like we should. The Bible says in this chapter, verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She isn't lazy. In the 15 years that Rebecca and I have been married, I've never outworked her. No matter how many hours I worked on the construction site or going to the hospital in the middle of the night or taking a trip with some church people, I've never felt like I've outworked my wife, not a single day. Part of the reason is, is because as a guy, and maybe some of you can relate to this, when I come home at night and, and I finally get busy, uh, if you've seen The Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, I have a nothing box that I open up. And I lay in bed at night and I, I throw everything that's happened in the day in that nothing box and I close it and I tape it, seal and I lock it shut and I just lay there and I think about nothing. And my wife will lay there and think about the meal tomorrow and what the kids are going to wear and the homework that's due and the doctor's appointment that's coming up, and, you know, the trip that we got to start planning for the summer. And even when she's not doing anything, her mind is racing and roaring far ahead. And there is so much that they handle and deal with and work over that is just just amazing to me. I could never do it. And I'm so grateful for the women in my life that God has placed that can. We had a delight yesterday on our way back from the beach. We got to stop in Salem and see my great-grandmother, we lived at her house sometimes during the kids, so she was a grandma and a mom, just one of those grandmas that you were always over at her house. And she's 85 now, almost 86, and in an in assisted living facility. But uh, she was reminding us, um, because some of the kids hadn't seen her in so long, um, how many kids she had and how old they were. And she was like, well, they were five, four, or four, three, two, and one. And um, apparently the oldest didn't potty train well because they were all in diapers at the same time. And that was before they had washing machines. And I remember my grandpa, he never even helped to clean up after dinner. You know he didn't help clean up after diapers. And grandma said that I was always there and always did whatever needed to be done. And that is the mark of an amazing, wise woman who finds her place in the world and gives it all that she has. I don't think that God is talking about a workaholic. I don't think he's talking about someone who is so caught up in everything that they worry and fret and stew to the point that it consumes them, that they're so worried about doing and going and being that it causes them extra anxiety just to make sure it's all done. I think it shows a woman who knows the value of serving others. And there's a certain reward and peace and rest that God gives us as we serve in that way. Grandma never had anything fancy in her home as a young mother. 
but she gave my father and uncles and aunt a love that they have never forgotten. And I always have marveled Grandma for the commitment that she made. We could go on and on about the ways that a mother's hands work, but we will stop there and go on to our second idea of her mouth speaking. Proverbs 31, 26 says, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Read this week when John Wesley was a student at Oxford University, he was shocked by the amount of drinking that was done by the students there. I wonder if he went to colleges around the U.S. today, how he would feel now. I remember when I was working at Ohio State University, one of the um, fraternity buildings was right outside where I ended up parking my car. And I got there in the morning, um, or no, I worked a night shift. So I got there in the early evening, parked my car, and, and walked into the building. And when I came back, there literally was a pile like this of beer cans there. And, uh, and I prayed for those guys every day. But she wrote her son, and she said these words. She says, remember that anything which increases the authority of the body over the mind is an evil thing. Anything that you put into your heart that increases your body over your mind and heart is an evil thing. I'm sure she had a lot of other things to say than that. There was an editor writing an article about Winston Churchill, and he'd been talking about the great teachers in his life, and he'd given you know his first grade teacher and his middle school teacher and uh, they submitted that list to him for, for approval. And he said, well, you've forgotten the greatest teacher that I could ever have, my own mom. And there is wisdom in the people that God has placed in our immediate family that is there for a reason. I wish when I was a teenager that I had gone to my mother more, well, probably at all, <laughs> for wisdom advice. I just wanted to make my own way and do my own thing, and I forgot that the person that God had placed closest to me for a reason was the woman that God had given to me to be a light of wisdom and knowledge and guidance in the time of my life where I thought I knew everything, and now I look back on time of life to realize that I pretty much knew nothing, and God had given me this amazing woman to be there when I needed her for direction. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with someone whose mother who's gone on to the next world. And whether it's on a Mother's Day where the pain of their loss is great or just in conversation, maybe it's at a stage of their life where they're really yearning or looking or longing for a change and this just heart's cry of, I just wish I could ask my mom. I just wish I could pick up the phone and call her and say, Mom, what should I do here? What would you do? Could you pray for me or could we go out for coffee? And so those of you who have that pain in your heart of that loss, I've been praying for you this week that God would bring comfort to your hearts and give other people in your life that could be there for a voice of instruction, that could be in some small way an echo of the person that God gave to be closest to you in the moments that you needed her most. Many of you have heard of the preacher G. Campbell Morgan. He had four sons, and they all became pastors, every one of them. And they're in a family reunion one day, and a friend of them asked one of the sons, which one of you five, because it was dad and four sons, so which one of the five of you is the greatest preacher? And you know what the answer was? Mom. Mom was the greatest preacher of the family. And there is wisdom in a mother's knowledge and prayers an insight that we should never miss or forget. And I wish that I had been more willing to listen to my mother's wisdom at younger years. 
I don't know a mother out there who would willingly, on purpose, give their kids bad advice. There's not a mother that I've ever met that would purposely say something that would lead their daughter or son astray. It is her only heart's desire. It is what keeps her up at night. It is what gives her joy and breaks her heart at the same time to know that they are the ones that God has been given to instruct the hearts of those who are at difficult moments in life. Sometimes mom have to tell us things that we don't want to hear. I can remember as getting a little bit older in teenage years, um, a lot of personal stuff in the family going on, but we kind of had decided to, to, to attack each other. My dad lived across town, and I lived with my mom at the other end, and, and we, we just got in this verbal war and spat with each other. And I didn't realize it, but I was being used to bring a lot of pain into the life of my mother. And I got old enough and mature enough for her to come to me one day in tears and say, I just want you to know that she said to me that no matter what you ever say or do to me, I'll always love you. And something just cracked in my heart. I didn't know what I'd done or what I was doing. I said, what made you say that? I was like, tell me what's what's been happening. And so she just shared how I literally had been attacking her and, and, and we had one of those moments as a mother and son that I'll never forget. And her relationship has never been the same from that moment on. And her wisdom has been more available to me than ever before. And I'm grateful that whenever something's going on in life, we, I have someone I can call and ask for wisdom and insight and knowledge. And she's going to give it freely because it's what God made her to do. So she has hands that work and a mouth that speaks but she also has a heart that loves. And that really has been wrapped up in the other two things that we shared with her. But it said in Proverbs 31, verses 11 and 12, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And you know, if a husband has full confidence in his wife, the mother of his children, then you know that she's a woman who loves her man. A husband wrote on his wife's tombstone after 60 years of marriage these words. is the only thing that said on the tombstone, she always made our home happy. Grandmother was talking to the grandkids one day in their home, and, and she said, Mommy and Daddy are entertaining some very important people downstairs. Grandkids said that to the grandma. The grandma is right. Well, how did you know that they're down there talking together? And she says, because mommy's laughing at all of daddy's jokes. And even when, as men, we are stubborn and ornery and trying to be goofy and really making a joke of ourselves, our women continue to love us and are there for us no matter what. I can remember when Rebecca and I were in college, and, and I think I was just starting to realize that I liked her more than just a friend. And uh, for some strange reason, I started to fall in love with her while I was reading the book on theology. But it said something in that theology book about Jesus that I'll never forget, and it has always been in my mind about my wife and the mother of my children as well, is that marriage is never to be a competition, but a life of two people giving themselves completely to the other at all times. And the author went on to say how beautiful it is to have a relationship when the goal of the other is to give everything that they are to the other person. 
And that's what you see in this passage in this woman, a woman who gave to her family, who gave to her husband, who gave to her household, and they were honored and blessed and changed and noticed and well-respected in the community around them. She brings a smile to their face. I love the verse in Proverbs chapter 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good like a medicine. And there's nothing I love more than to come home from work and Levi's coming around the corner and mom's waiting there or after she's got home from work and Levi's coming around the corner and boo, she scares him. And that laugh that he has is among the most precious things that I have ever heard and it comes from a heart of love from his own mom. I'm grateful this morning that we have people in our life that love us no matter what. Thomas Edison once said, I did not have my mother long, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all my life. The good effects of her early training I can never lose. It had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never likely have ever become an inventor. I was always a careless boy, and with a mother of a different mental caliber, I should have turned out badly. But her firmness, her sweetness, her goodness were potent powers to keep me in the right path. And my mother was the making of me. And the memory of her will always be a blessing to me. And those are just three small ways that the Scriptures talks about a woman who pours her heart out in the lives of those that she loves. I read a sermon this week from a pastor in another state who has decided to never preach on Mother's Day again because he realizes that there are people in the room who, who have their mom next to them in the church and they are close and it's, it's good for them. He also realizes that in a congregation of any size, there's bound to be some relationships that are torn and tainted and difficult. And bringing it all out to the surface just points out that pain that's there. There are other people in the congregation who never had a good mom. And bringing up the fact that they never had a good mom just brings the pain even greater. And others who have lost their mother and would do anything to get her back. So I don't apologize for the words that I just said because I realize that we all have different experiences. I just want to close with this little story and then we will encourage you to get your gift as you go. I'd like with you to imagine with me for a moment if you had a beautiful picture in your home that was worth over $100,000 because of the artist who had painted it. It was a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. The artist had put excellence inside every stroke of his work. The colors were awesome. The depth perception was striking. And it was the final work of an artist who was killed suddenly in a car accident. You knew that this painting would only increase in value over the years. And it had a prominent place of honor in your home. One day you come home from work and the lock on your door is broken. Thieves have broken in and stolen several items, including this valuable painting. You call the police. Maybe you have the item marked and numbered. And a few weeks later, the police call to inform you that some of your items have shown up at a swap market across town. Come and check it out and see if any of it's yours. You speed through the rain, hoping above hopes for that one thing to be there, that painting of such great value. 
You look and you look, and finally you see the frame of the picture sitting in some mud in the rain with five other pictures that you could purchase at any Salvation Army for less than $10. Your amazing picture is torn. It's obvious whoever had stolen the picture had done little to protect it. There's a shoe mark where someone had stepped on it, a hole where someone poked something hard into the back of it. There's a rip going across the bottom of it where something sharp had caught it. And as you see your magnificent piece of art laying there among the cheap imitations, battered and bruised, what kind of thoughts would go through your mind? Are you angry at what has been done to the picture? Are you angry at those who stole it and felt as if there was to do whatever they wanted with it? Do you feel sorry for the one who is trying to sell it at far less value than its real worth? Are you grateful that you found it and will have the opportunity to restore to its former position of excellence? When I read this next paragraph, it brought a challenge to my heart, the application of that question. Friends, when it has come to this beautiful painting that we call women, far too often we've hijacked them for our own purposes, failed to realize them for their true value, and injured them in ways that have left them feeling stepped upon, wounded, stabbed, and torn in so many pieces. So if you're a woman who here like that this morning and feels that way, there's a God who was the artist in that painting. And whether you've been sold or stolen or scratched or bruised or wounded, God gave his son in order to restore you and to show you how much you mean to him. He's been searching and will continue to search for you to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring about the change that your heart longs for. For some of us, maybe the one who have done the tearing and the stomping, Maybe that we need to have a time like I did with my mom a number of years ago and we got some things set right. We get that relationship to be where it needed to be and that love to be where it needed to be. Because of the fact of the matter is, Jesus lives for your reunion. The Bible talks over and over again about a massive wedding feast in the heavens. And every girl loves to be in a wedding. And this wedding, you Every one of us is the bride of Christ. And he's getting the feast ready all these centuries since he's gone back to heaven. He's getting the feast ready. He's getting the celebration primed for us to come back. And there's nothing that he wants more than our hearts to be whole, than our hearts to be free, than our hearts to be full of his love and to realize the love of those around us. And I know that we come from so many different backgrounds and we have so many different realities. But my prayer is this morning that each and every one of us knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus wants to be the lover of our soul. He wants to be the one who shows us how much he loves us. And he helps us to see the love of those around us as we walk together with him. Will you stand with me before we close in prayer? Just a reminder of the gift that we have for the ladies as you go through the main aisle as you get ready to close. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I thank you for the gift of this scripture. We could have spent so much more time and looked at so many different other traits of this amazing woman, this superwoman, this person that you created. 
And Lord, the invitation for each and every one of us here today, male or female, is to live a life of surrender to you, a life of diligence and dedication and service to those around us. And Lord, a life that has been healed and touched by the grace of God. I just, Lord, kept thinking, even as I preached of this, words of those songs, Lord, that your grace is enough. And whatever burden we carry or whatever joy that we have today, Lord, it is by your grace that we have the joy. And if there's hurt, it is by your grace that we will be healed. And I thank you, Lord, that you gave your son in order for us to know that healing and to feel that grace applied in our life. And Lord, if there's someone here today whose heart is just missing that mother who has been gone, I pray, Lord, that the God of all creation would just give them, give them comfort. Give them knowledge, Lord, that you are there and that you are close and that you, that you hear their cries and the loneliness in their heart. Lord, if we're here this morning and, and there is distance and hurt and disappointment between the people that you've placed us together with, I just pray, Lord, that you'd create and foster in us a longing for healing to come. And Lord, for the young people in this room who this is all in the future, at least in the looking for a spouse, I pray, Lord, that as they develop and grow and get to that place in their life, that a person who has surrendered to Jesus would be at the top of their list. And a life of dedication to the cause of Christ would be their greatest joy. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your love today and for the women in our life. Lord, help us to celebrate them this day and celebrate their memory. And we'll thank you for both in your wonderful, precious name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you, and ladies, be sure that you get a gift as you leave this morning, and may the Lord bless you today.